Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, extremely excited for this episode today and, and very encouraged by you listening in today. I hope and pray that this season of Weathering the Storm has been helpful for you. I hope that the podcast itself has been a blessing to your life as it has been to mine, being able to study and spend this time with you, but also extremely thankful for the Scattered Abroad Network. Thankful that I can be on this network with these wonderful uh, brothers in Christ and, and that we can work together to spread the gospel to as many people as possible. And again, just very grateful for this opportunity to be with you and to uh, glorify God through this avenue of a podcast. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to go and subscribe to the Scared Abroad Master Feed. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. Also, to check us out on Facebook and on Instagram, uh, you can email us if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, anything at all. Uh, the Scared Abroad Network at gmail.com. You can visit our website, scaredabroad.org. And most importantly, we ask that you pray for our effort. Again, as we're striving to glorify God by spreading the gospel to as many souls as possible through this avenue of a podcast, which helps us to reach people all over the world. And to God be the glory for this blessing. Today we are recording episode 8 of season 5 of Weathering the Storm, and the title of this episode is A Chance at Redemption. A Chance at Redemption. We've been spending a lot of time talking about the life of Peter, and that is really our focus this season, weathering the storm with Peter, walking through his life, seeing some of the ups and downs that, that he that he faced, some of the storms that he had to weather. And we've really gone from the moment he was called to be a disciple all the way to the point when he denied Jesus, but he went out wet bitterly. He had that godly sorrow we talked about in our last episode. And now Jesus is going to give Peter an opportunity to make things right, give him an opportunity to truly redeem himself which is a wonderful, wonderful concept and blessing that God allows us to have. And that's redemption. The word redemption is definitely a biblical word. It's definitely an important biblical word. When you think about this concept of being bought back, for example, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, Peter says, You were redeemed, not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That was the price for our soul. That's the price for our salvation, the blood of Jesus. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin, Hebrews 10.4. It had to be the blood of the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, John 1.29. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul writing to the Christians there in Ephesus, he says that you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and have enjoyed the forgiveness of your sins. So redemption, the scheme of redemption we sometimes talk about, how you can you can trace the scarlet thread from Genesis chapter 3 all the way up into the death of Jesus Christ and how sin entered the world, but the solution was already there. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8. And God prepared a people and he made a promise, a seed promise to Abraham, Genesis 12, 3. In your seed, all families of the earth will be blessed. And of course, from the tribe of Judah would come Jesus, the Son of God, who would die for the sin of the world. Redemption. 
to be bought back, to be brought back into a place that God would have you to be. When we think about Peter and the place that he was spiritually, he was at a very low point. He denied Jesus. He went out and he wept bitterly. And when we pause the, in the action, if you will, we're going to the death of Jesus on the cross. And everything that transpires with the wrongful trials and the beatings and the death that he endures. And you can just imagine how Peter must have felt when all this was taking place. Well, Jesus has died, but we know that's not the end of the story. And thanks be to God that it's not. When you come to chapter 20 of the book of John, I want to invite you there. John chapter 20, we read about the empty tomb. And it was the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and noticed the first person she came to. She ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. We know that to be John. And said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I think that's so funny. John wants the whole world to know that he was faster than Peter. <laughs> I outran him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple. And he, speaking of Peter, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. But what do you think Simon Peter did? <laughs> As impulsive as Peter was, verse 6, Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. And that's significant, because according to tradition, if your napkin was jumbled up and thrown on the plate, then you were done. And the servant who was standing there would watch you, and when you folded up your napkin, and crumbled up and threw it, he knew to clear the table, clear the plate. But if you folded your napkin and left, that means, yes, I'm leaving, but I am coming back. So here we have the folded napkin. Jesus has said, yes, I've left, but I'm coming back. Notice in verse 9, it says, For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. No doubt, Peter and John are leaving this thinking, what has happened? We know that our Lord died. We know he was crucified, and we know he was buried in this tomb. But we can't deny that the stone is rolled away, and we can't deny that he is not in here, and the fact that the linen cloths are folded up. Verse 11, Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you laid him, and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. 
Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things to her. Here's the value of looking at other accounts of what takes place. In Mark chapter 16, Mark records something that is extremely significant to our study. Now keep in mind that Mark was the cousin of Peter. And so that's pretty significant when you think about Mark's account of the gospel of the life of Jesus. It's a lot of these things. Mark wasn't there, but Peter was. So he's able to tell Mark some of these things. So in Mark 16 and verse 7, well, back up to verse 6, Mark 16 and verse 6. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Say the place where he laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Isn't that fascinating? John's account simply says, Go tell the disciples. But Mark emphasizes, You go tell Peter. Now, of all the disciples who were extremely saddened and distraught by the death of Jesus, which of the disciples do you think was the most hurt? Which of the disciples do you most think was wanting and needing redemption? No doubt it was Simon Peter, wasn't it? You go tell Peter that he's risen. The hope that that must have triggered in the life and the heart of Peter. I can't imagine how that must have felt. Peter had seen the empty tomb. He seen the linen cloths folded up. All the evidence is there. Now he's just ready to see the Lord. We make our way into chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the son of Zebedee, the two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We're going with you also. Let's go fishing, Peter. So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they said, No. He said, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. What does that remind you of? Remember when Jesus told Peter earlier on when he first called him, cast your net to the other side? When he said, launch out into the deep? And what did Peter say? Nevertheless, at your word, I will cast the net. Here we see the same mentality. Therefore, verse 7, and this just brings a smile to my face. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. He was so happy that Jesus was on the shore that he wasn't waiting for that boat to get there. He jumped out and plunged into the sea to go in to see him. Verse 8 says, The other disciples came in the little boat. They were not far from land, about 200 cubits, and they were dragging the net with fish. 
And as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals and the fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land. Now listen to this. Full of large fish. So we're not talking about minnows here. Large fish, 153. Now, I can't recall a time when I picked up a net of 153 fish. I could probably with confidence say I've never done that. But here's Peter. What does this tell you about Peter? Peter must have been a pretty strong guy. This is a pretty strong individual. So we picture Peter as as a bigger man, a strong man, who was able to pick up 153 fish, and there were so many of them in there, and yet the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And so Jesus then came and took the bread, gave it to them, and likewise the fish. And this is the third time that he showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So that builds us up to what we're going to really focus on with the life of Peter, who is weathering the storm, a chance at redemption. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now remember, Earlier in the ministry of Jesus, he said, If any man does not love me more than father or mother, brother, sister, he is not worthy of me. He cannot be my disciple. Peter remembers that. Peter heard that. And now he says, Do you love me more than these? Do you love me, Peter? Peter said, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. This is the first time that Jesus asked him the question. So Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? I find it interesting. The first time he said, do you love me more than these? But here he simply just says, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. But then notice in verse 18, you want to talk about a personal, a personal conversation, a very real conversation of all that Peter's been through. Listen to what Jesus is about to tell him. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. History tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified in the same manner that Jesus was. What's so powerful about this redemption, this restoration, is that Peter denied Jesus three times, didn't he? Three times he said, I don't know who you are. 
But Jesus gives him a chance at redemption. And he asks him three times, Do you love me? The same Peter who said, I do not know him three times, here says, Not only do I know you, Lord, I love you. A chance at redemption. A chance for Peter to make the wrong right. But it wasn't just that he would say, I love you. What did Jesus ask for him to do? He said, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Who are the sheep of the Lord? Well, according to John 10, those who hear his voice and keep on following him. Peter is entrusted here then to be one who is going to go forward and to spiritually tend and feed, lead the sheep. This is a very powerful statement made by Jesus because that's exactly what Peter would do as a gospel preacher, one who was feeding them spiritually, but certainly his role as an elder. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4 through 4 speaks of the fact that Peter was an elder, a shepherd in the Lord's church. There's a misconception today regarding a preacher and a minister calling a, a, a preacher a pastor. Well, that's not really what we're talking about here. Because a, a one man over the whole congregation is not biblical. According to the New Testament pattern, there are a plurality of qualified men who serve as elders or overseers or bishops or shepherds or pastors. They are the ones who are shepherding the flock, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, where you find those qualifications. Acts 20, 28, Paul told the elders in Ephesus, feed the church of God, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And so elders have the responsibility to shepherd the flock and to feed them. Now, by extension, how are they feeding the flock? Well, the preacher, the local congregation, preaches the word of God, 2 Timothy 4, 2. And that is a way, by extension, that the elders are feeding the flock. So that's important when we think about that. We want to make sure we speak the way that God would have us to speak when it comes to who we are and our different roles in the kingdom. But I just find that so powerful, this chance at redemption for Peter. Peter denied him three times, and here he's able to say, I love you three times. But Jesus signified what death he would glorify God. And then look how tender this is. When he had spoken this, he said, follow me. There's no way in Peter's mind he could go back to that day, those three years earlier, when Jesus said, follow me. That three years later, he would say the same words, but think of how the impact would be different. Peter, you follow me. You forsake your nets. I want you to come and learn. I want you to watch me. I want you to be my disciple. But now, he says, I want you to follow me a much deeper context. Peter would write about it too. 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 and following. He said, For to this you were called, that you should suffer as Jesus suffered, walking in his steps, for he has given us the example to follow. When Jesus told Peter to follow me, in a deep context, this means you follow me because you told me one time you were willing to die for me. You're going to get that opportunity but you're going to be able to glorify God through that. 
it's sad to think about. But at the same time, how wonderful it is that Peter was able to have this opportunity for redemption. You and I stand in need of redemption. And without the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no redemption. But what a gracious offer from the Lord to Peter to allow him the opportunity to be redeemed. And what a gracious opportunity you and I have to have redemption as well. It may be that you're listening today and you're not a Christian and you never come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. The New Testament teaches very clearly what you must do. You must have faith, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, recognizing that He is the the Savior of the world and He can be yours. But just recognizing that is only the beginning. You then have to be willing to repent of sins, confess with a mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then get into Christ, put Him on in a watery grave of baptism, Galatians 3.27, Colossians 2.12, and that's where you come in contact with His blood. John 19.34, Romans 6.3-6. You die to sin, you're buried with Christ in baptism, and you rise to walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 5 and 6, a brand new creature created in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, And then the Bible teaches that we are to live faithfully unto death, that we may receive a crown of life, Revelation 2, 10. But it may be that you're listening today as a Christian and you're longing for a chance at redemption. The same Lord who gave Peter that opportunity is the same Lord that gives you that opportunity to come back. Come back to Him. Whether that storm, own up to whatever it is that's holding you back and take advantage of this opportunity to be redeemed. Come back home. Be bought back. Be brought back to the place where God would have you to be. That may be a storm that you're facing. And if it is, handle it God's way and enjoy the peace that passes understanding. I'm so thankful that we don't we don't see the end of Peter sitting there crying, weeping bitterly. But rather we see him having this opportunity for redemption and moving forward to the New Testament through his life and the great things he would accomplish to the glory of God. Preaching the gospel, shepherding the flock of God, and being a great example to others as he reflect, reflected the light and the love of Jesus to the world. I thank you so much for listening today. And again, if you stand in need of redemption, I hope and pray that you'll do what God has said as He's revealed in His Word, and that you'll enjoy that sweet, sweet redemption to be brought back into God. Thankful for the example of Peter. Thankful for you listening. And thankful to God for making it all possible. I hope and pray that this episode will help you to weather the storm. May God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.